covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. Another week and another episode of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Thanks so much for being tuned in. We always appreciate it. As always, if you want to get in contact with uh, with me, all you got to do is uh, tweet at me. You can do that at Matt Pauley Radio, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y Radio, or drop me an email, matt.pauley at wtmj.com. Another week where we're talking about the first place Brewers. They come out of the All-Star break taking two out of three against Philadelphia, and now they embark on an 11-day, 10-game, three-city road trip, which is going to be uh, it's going to be tough, and not so much because of the teams that they're playing, although, of course, Washington is one of those teams, and that's a tough team to play. But anytime you go on a uh, three-city road trip over the course of 10 or 11 days, that is tough, and we'll talk much more about that coming up later on in the program. Here is what is uh, on the schedule for today's program. Tim Muma is going to join us in our social media conversation from uh, Brew Crew Ball, and we're also scheduled to be joined by uh, Chris Harris, the broadcaster of the AA Biloxi Shuckers. So that is all coming up, plus we'll look back at the week that was with our headlines of the week. But as we get started, I want to talk about something that we have been talking about a lot recently and whether it's been on this podcast whether it's been on the Brewers Extra Innings show after uh, games on WTMJ radio uh, the other shows that I've been hosting uh, the conversations on Twitter the conversation continues to revolve around what kind of moves the Brewers are going to make going into the trade deadline and a little pressure got put on them, maybe, maybe not, but it seems like it, it possibly did. When the Cubs made a move this past week, they send away a, a pretty solid haul of prospects to the Chicago White Sox for pitcher Jose Quintana, and he had a very good debut. Quintana did on Sunday, uh, making his first start for the Cubs. The Cubs obviously continue to feel like that they are a World Series caliber team. They want to win back-to-back World Series, but they haven't played that strong a baseball. They have won the first three uh, after the all-star break uh, we record this on Sunday nights so as we record this the Cubs are three and0 in the post all-star break portion of the year but the question continues to remain what kind of moves what kind of splash can the Brewers make and if you go back and listen to old podcast I've said multiple times that I don't think they'll make a big splash I don't think that they're going to uh, give away a ton of the top prospects in the organization and recently I've started to back off that a little bit look I don't think they're going to give away a selection of prospects equal to what the Cubs gave away I just don't I don't even think they're going to give away a uh, selection of prospects equal to what uh, the Washington Nationals gave to Oakland for uh, Ryan Matson and Sean Doolittle couple top 10 prospects there. But I do think they're more than willing to part with some top prospects in the organization that might be blocked by position, or if they're not blocked by position, there's somebody who uh, they also think very highly of that's, uh, that, that plays the same position, and they might be able to make a move. There's been a lot of talk about Sonny Gray. In fact, we woke up on Sunday to uh, a report saying that the Brewers were the leading candidate to acquire Sonny Gray from the A's. I thought that report was a little bit flawed because they were taking it from basically a blurb in the Boston Globe where it basically said, 
that the Brewers were the leading candidates. There, there wasn't anything more than that. And sometimes what happens, whether it's Twitter, whether it's people who write online, I'm not saying this about everyone who writes online. I obviously have a lot of respect uh, for a lot of the folks out there who, uh, who do specifically work uh, in online ventures. But sometimes you have situations where you take a tidbit from somewhere and you make it bigger than it actually is. And when you went and actually read uh, the blurb in the Boston Globe that, uh, that everything came from, it essentially said that the Brewers appear to be most interested in Sonny Gray or something along those lines, and it wasn't much more than that. I, I don't know if, they, if they're willing to part with the pieces that it would take to part with to go get a Sonny Gray. I think this team is going to be somewhat active going into the deadline. I think they're going to continue to make some moves. They make a small move this past week, acquiring uh, a left-handed pitcher in Tyler Webb. I don't know how much of an impact he's going to have on the team this year. He did not have a good debut on Sunday, and I wonder if he's going to be able to stick with the big league club for an extended amount of time. He had not been pitching much in the big leagues with the Yankees, just seven appearances all season long, everything else at AAA. But I do think they're going to make some moves. There's obviously an opportunity to make the bullpen better, and there's an opportunity to make the starting rotation better as well. The the one thing that you can't measure is the the chemistry in the clubhouse and everybody liking each other and that sort of stuff. And while while some people want to poo-poo that, in baseball it does matter. And some people would also argue that, well, when you're winning, it's easy to like the guys that you're you know spending most of your time with. There's some truth to that, but if you don't like a guy, you don't like a guy. And the Brewers, for the most part, across that uh, clubhouse, everybody likes each other. So in addition to making sure that they bring in folks that fit, and they did that with Steven Vogt. Vogt obviously is a fit for this team. And to a lesser extent, Eric Sogard, he, he's a AAA call-up, but he, he got to the team and he fit. They got to make sure that they go find guys who fit. Now those two guys both have ties to the Oakland A's. Maybe Sonny Gray is that guy. Maybe he's not. Nobody really knows what David Stearns is willing to part with. I, I say this all the time. I think Stearns has a plan. I think he knows exactly what he what he wants to do. I think he could tell you right now what kind of level of prospect and how many prospects he is willing to part with. He's not going to tell you that. He's very good at keeping things close to the vest. This is going to be fun to watch. The Brewers are about to go on a 10-game road trip. They'll then come back, and they'll wrap up the month with a three-game home series against the Cubs. And then it's the trade deadline. How they do on this road trip and then going into that Cubs series could have an impact on what happens at the trade deadline. There's also a thought out there that maybe some moves are going to be made a little bit earlier this year uh, going into the trade deadline. Sometimes prices go up, sometimes prices go down at the trade deadline. It's a dynamic market, and you don't really know what's going to happen. I will say this. I have a lot of trust in David Stearns. I have a ton of trust in David Stearns, and I think he's going to make some right decisions. I also think we're going to know a lot more about this team here over the next couple weeks as they go on the long road trip and get set for the end of the month. It doesn't matter if it's right in the middle of the summer or winter. There's always news about the Brewers. Let's look back at the week that was with Matt's Headlines of the Week. A little bit of a light week this week because it was the All-Star break and the All-Star game. Corey Knable was the lone All-Star representative for the Brewers. He does not appear in the All-Star game. Interestingly enough, Wade Davis of the Cubs does, 
and he ends up losing the game for the National League. So uh, that's been fun for Brewers fans. Saying out, they show pitch Corey Knebel. I don't think the Brewers are too terribly worried about the fact that Knebel did not pitch going into the All-Star game. He had thrown uh, a bunch of pitches over the course of his last two outings, so maybe it was better he did not appear. He would have loved to appear, I'm sure. But uh, he does, he gets to be part of it, uh, all the festivities. A lot of people were talking about the Brewers over the course of uh, the All-Star break, but Ken Abel does not uh, appear. The weekend, as the Brewers take two out of three from the Philadelphia Phillies, it was a celebration of the 1982 American League uh, American League Championship team. And uh, By the way, kudos to the Brewers. Everything they did was just fantastic. The shirt giveaway on Friday, the ring giveaway on Sunday, and then the actual uh, ceremony that they did on Saturday. Great job by the Brewers. Great job by the fans to come out and support that event as well. That team obviously holds a special place in the heart of Brewers fans and to see all those guys back together. Uh, It was a lot of fun. And two of the three games were sold out. That's awesome. And some of it has to do with the 82 celebration and the giveaway. Some of it has to do with a first-place team. Uh, Mark Atanasio spent some time talking to the media. He did confirm that the Brewers were in on talks on Jose Quintana, who eventually was acquired by the Chicago Cubs. He made his debut on Sunday and looked pretty good. Uh, They were in on him, but they were not willing to uh, evidently give up what the Cubs gave up on him. But what that also tells you is it confirms that the Brewers are continuing to look at all possible players that they could acquire in a trade. We record this on Sunday night. I say this every week. We try to make the content of this program. I I don't use the word generic, but I don't know what other word to use. Just uh, content that doesn't expire quickly. Who knows? We could all wake up Monday morning and the Brewers can, you know, will have made a move during the course of the overnight. And what we're talking about right now doesn't stand true uh, quite as much. But uh, Atanasio does uh, confirm that they were in on Quintana. The club does make a small move. They trade away Triple uh, A third baseman Garrett Cooper to the Yankees for relief pitcher, left-handed relief pitcher Tyler Webb. Uh, Cooper was just destroying Triple A, but he's a first baseman. He's only a first baseman. There just was not a place uh, in the big leagues for him. So you take a guy who's kind of played himself into pseudo prospect status. You're able to flip him for a guy and uh, Webb, who we'll see how much he contributes to this year's team. But he's a left-handed relief pitcher who. You've got control on for a few years. Uh, I would guess that he'll probably spend some time. Obviously, he's up with the Brewers. He had a bad debut on Sunday, giving up a grand slam. Uh, But I would think he's another one of those guys like Rob Scahill, like Michael Blazek, like uh, Paolo Espino, these guys who have kind of been up and down, up and down. I would think that's what Tyler Webb is probably going to turn into, although he is a left-hander, and that's something that the Brewers don't really have out of the bullpen. But Oliver Drake has been darn good against lefties. I mean, Oliver Drake... Even as a right-hander, he is essentially the left-hander in the bullpen when it comes to high-leverage situations. On Sunday, Brett Phillips appeared as a pinch hitter. He hits his first career home run. Great to see that. He had been scuffling in his uh, limited opportunities at the big league level. So uh, Phillips goes deep. At the time, it gave the Brewers a 2-1 to lead and was a two-run shot. The Brewers could not hold on on Sundays. They end up losing 5-2. But it was just a great moment for him. He is so full of energy. 
is such a good guy. Uh, him being able to do the gauntlet in the uh, dugout uh, as he's uh, as he comes in, and then uh, the sellout crowd at Miller Park called for a curtain call, and he got it. Uh, he was obviously very appreciative of that. So it was a really cool moment for Brett Phillips. You would have liked to have seen that happen in a win, but nonetheless, a cool moment for him. And then the final thing, uh, Ryan Braun's calf, and we talked about this a little bit on the program last week after the end of the pre-All-Star break portion of the year. Uh, It's being looked at basically on an everyday basis now. He played every game over the course of the weekend, played well, had a grand slam in the weekend, had a number of hits. But this is just something that the team is going to have to continue to uh, monitor. Uh, He's probably going to have those maintenance days kind of the way they had last year. Uh, When he started this season this year, he was playing virtually every day, and he was playing a lot more than he did last year. And maybe this is just how it's going to be now with Ryan Braun, where he's got to have some days off. But I'll continue to say this. Orion Braun, he's not going to hit these numbers this year uh, because of how much time he's missed. But Orion Braun, who appears in 130, 135 games a year and hits 300, hits 30 home runs, and drives in 100 RBIs, you'll take it. You'll absolutely take it. He is an asset to this team. And even if he can't play every single day, even if you have to give him some days off to uh, just keep his body healthy, that's okay. And he continues to be somebody who, you know, if this team is playing really meaningful games in the month of August, in the month of September, who knows, maybe even the month of October, Braun's a guy you want on this team as the guy who's been there before. I do uh, the Brewers uh, Extra Innings show uh, after games uh, for home games with Craig Kishon of Fox Sports Wisconsin, and I steal this from him because he said it the other day and it was a great point. Ryan Braun's been through everything except a World Series. He's been through every other thing that you can go through uh, in the course of a baseball season. Nobody else on the team can say that. And to have a guy like that is valuable to what is a uh, very, very young team. Those are this week's Headlines of the Week. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile, does continue on. And as it is time for our social media conversation, we're very happy to uh, welcome back onto the program Tim Muma. Although now we can say uh, his affiliation is with uh, Brew Crew Ball. We have a lot of the Brew Crew Ball folks uh, on the podcast, so it's great to have him uh, part of that group. Tim, it's great to have you on the program again. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Always a pleasure. Thanks a lot, Matt. Let's start off with the thing that everybody is talking about because this is a, a Brewers team right now that continues to lead the division, that continues to play good baseball, that's substantially better than 500. Uh, we saw the Cubs make a move and going and signing uh, or acquiring Jose Quintana but having to pay a lot for him. There is a contingent of Brewers fans that uh, want the Brewers to make a big move no matter what the cost. There's another contingent that says, be very careful. Don't uh, don't ruin the farm system. And obviously, there's a lot of uh, room in between as well. Where do you stand right now in terms of the Brewers maybe going and acquiring some talent, specifically a starting pitching uh, starting pitcher moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I know there's been a lot of rumors and and reports of the Brewers being heavy for Sunny Gray and being the the team that's really, I guess, the most active as far as reaching out to him. I think the way it looks is David Stearns, he's got a feeling. He knows exactly what he's willing to give up for what he might get back. And 
I don't think he'll go past it. I don't think he'll do any panics, moves. I don't think he would give up, quote-unquote, too much in any sort of deal. Um, I would love to see it, selfishly, as a fan. Uh, as you mentioned, they're playing well overall, and it does. It feels like they, they're a piece or two away from really solidifying their roster and being able to hold off someone like the Cubs, obviously. Uh, they got off to a good start in the second half as well. So I'm, I, early on, I'd say I was a little more opposed to it, and I, I was like, eh, I don't think it's going to put them over the top, so to speak. But if you can replace someone like Davies, who's had a lot of struggles, uh, and he gives you a little more depth, and obviously Gray with his experience and his abilities, I, I would love to see them go for it. I don't know if there's anyone else in the market they could really go after. It seems like uh, Archer from Tampa Bay is off the market. Um, I know some of us at Brew Crew Ball have talked about the uh, Grom from the Mets would be a, an interesting pickup there. But um, as I said, I think Stearns has an, an idea of exactly what he'd be willing to give up. He's not going to get in a bidding war with anybody. And with what the Cubs gave up for Quintana, I'd say the Brewers definitely would have the edge on Sonny Gray. And, and if, if, the, if it fits, I'd say go for it. Why not? He'd be under control for another couple of years as well. So you are you okay giving up a uh, an equivalent package of prospects uh, to what the, the Cubs gave up to Quintana, you know, throwing in a, a Lewis Brinson and Ortiz and a couple, you know, the the lower-level prospects. That that much of a haul, or would you, if it's the right guy, if it's Sonny Gray, are you okay with the team giving away that uh, that grouping of a prospects? The thing is, I love Brinson, so he'd be, to me, the one untouchable, to be honest. Um, but Ray, um, even Hayter, I hate to see him go, but I think you could give up a couple of the, a couple of the top prospects, and then fill in with a couple of uh, you know middle uh, middle to back end kind of guys. I'd be okay with that because the Brewers have created such depth within their organization. I mean, I've heard a number of experts talk about you know their top thirty is equivalent to a number of teams' top ten. I mean, that's pretty remarkable when you think about how depleted their farm system was just a couple of years ago. So to me, if I'm the one calling the shots, I'd be fine with you know a, a top outfielder and a top pitcher going and then a couple of guys that you know it might be more middle of the road type prospects um i just wouldn't want to see burn things so i guess that would be the determining factor is you know how how high is turned on Brinton versus ray hater versus ortiz that kind of thing and what would the A's potentially be looking at as far as you know where the high marks are for each of those guys so i'd, I'd be willing to give up a couple of those top guys uh, with the idea that one you still have a deep system, and two, you're getting a premier pitcher back. At least, I guess a premier, but near the, the premier level in Sunny Gray. We're talking on Sunday night, and the Brewers take two out of three against the Phillies going into uh, uh, after the you know going into this road trip that starts on Monday. The bullpen had a little bit of a letdown on Sunday, uh, specifically with Rob Scahill and, and the newest Brewer Tyler Webb. But going into Sunday's action, the crew had uh, the best ERA in all of baseball from their bullpen since June twentieth. It feels you know going back a month ago or so in this program, maybe a little bit more than that. All we were doing was talking about uh, the bullpen failures, but they had really solidified recently uh, until the hiccup from a couple guys who aren't really key members of the bullpen. Where do you sit right now on, on confidence in the Brewers' bullpen? You know, it's strange. I still feel like I'd be nervous anytime it's not Barnes or uh, Knable. I mean, Hayter, I'm pretty comfortable with, too. Obviously, there can, there's a little control issues with him sometimes. Uh, so I, I guess I go back and forth on it because every team 
uh, across the league wishes they had another one or two guys that could solidify that bullpen. Uh, I think I just saw the Nationals uh, picked up Madsen and, and another player as well. Uh, so it seems like every team, every fan base thinks that there's something wrong with their bullpen. And, and I think, you know, those arms, they go up and down. I mean, you have stretches where I know Craig Consoles talked this. You have stretches where you have all these close games and you're, you're blowing through guys constantly, and that's really tough for them to bounce back. Um, obviously, you mentioned a guy like Scahill had a rough outing and then uh, put Webb in a tough spot, and, and he didn't exactly, uh, you know, he wasn't able to step up there. So I guess I still feel uneasy with the bullpen, even Knievel once in a while. You know, he has his walk issues in the ninth, and um, I think it's a little better than it was early in the season where you had guys like Philippe blowing up, and, uh, you know, Torres, I guess, has been better. Uh, I've seen you and a couple guys go back and forth once in a while on Torres as far as, you know, he gives you, he is what he is for the most part. Um, he's not a shutdown guy by any means. Uh, but that is the one other area if, you know, we're talking about starting pitching, and that's obviously always at a premium as far as picking up someone at the line. But that's the other area where you'd like to see someone come in that maybe has a little more track record. I think Webb is kind of one of those Stearns-type move, moves that, that could help out. Um, but I think I'm sure they're on the market looking for another arm that, that has more experience, maybe somebody you, you can trust in that seventh inning spot, a compliment to Hare, so a righty-lefty type uh, complimentary piece there. Um, so I guess when it comes down to it, my confidence is still a little shaky when it comes to the bullpen. I don't know if that ever changes unless you have you know a number of quality lockdown guys, and, and it doesn't seem like that's really around unless, again, you pay that high price at the deadline to pick up a guy or two. I do have a soft spot in my heart for Carlos Torres, and some of the, some of that has to do with. I'll be honest about it. Some of it has to do with uh, we were at Kansas State at the exact same time, and I watched him in college. Oh, okay. And I've always enjoyed you know seeing him have success since then. But but in the more literal point of it, like I got that for a little while, for two to three weeks, he had a really bad downturn. But sure. it never turned into a point where this is a guy you've got to release. And, man, he became the punching bag for all of uh, Brewer's Twitter there for a while. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. And, uh, and again, it's so, it's so easy to pick on any bullpen guy because typically they're in a spot where, you know, you're up one, you're up two, or even if you're down one, down two. And if, if they make one or two bad pitches, it, it, it looks horrible for them. And to your point, even if it's a two-, three-week stretch, um, you know, that can really ruin the numbers. And that's obviously a lot of times what people are just looking at. Um, but, I, I, yeah, and I saw you break it down a little bit, like, well, since this point he's been this. And, and I think that's the way bullpens are in general. I mean, even your best relievers have those those blow-up games, those uh, those rough weeks, um, with the exception of your, you know, really elite guys. So, I mean, I have nothing against the guy personally, and, and he's, he's thrown a lot of innings, I think, the last uh, couple of years. And, and he's getting up there in age. So I think that was really the worry with a lot of people was, is he just breaking down? Is he losing his stuff a little bit? Is he is he unable to bounce back, uh, you know, as often and, and as effectively as he has? But for the most part, to me, the bullpen, that and they've done this a little bit, it's, it's got to be a carousel. It's got to be the idea of, okay, we got we got to bring a guy or two up and, and give him a shot, um, you know, try to have reinforcements uh, whenever you can. And, and in today's game especially, it just seems that's the biggest part of any managerial job is figuring out when's the right time to make a move, how often can you use this guy, and when do you just need to say, hey, we got to trust other people to get the job done. They're all professionals. So uh, so I completely get that side of it, too, and, and uh, I see why you have that soft spot, uh, having that connection with Carlos. 
<laughs> I'm honest about things. I don't run away from stuff that's, that's true. So, so there we go. Uh, your last two pieces over at Brew Crew Ball, they're kind of correlated in a way, uh, even though they were written a couple weeks apart from each other. And we'll go with the first one. And it was look, it was written prior to the Cubs uh, acquiring Quintana, so maybe it's a little bit different. But uh, you put together a piece looking at the the Cubs roster and basically explaining why maybe they're they're not as scary of a team as people thought they would be going into this year. Uh, do you do you continue to stand by that even with uh, with Quintana coming to the club and then winning the first three games of the post All Star break portion of the year? Clearly, the Quintana move helps them. I mean, there's question marks with him still, but I mean he's a solid starter in the Cubs. I think they're giving up about a run more per game this year than they were last year, and that's—I mean—that's an enormous number when you're talking about over the course of even half a season. Uh, so that's, that obviously helps them tremendously well um, as far as, as the rotation goes. But the team overall, still, yeah, they, they have a lot of awards, and you know, I, I guess I was just getting so tired of people saying, "Well, they're going to wake up. They're going to wake up. They have all this talent. They're going to wake up." And then you looked at it, and it's like, well, do they really? I mean, Rush Fowler was such a big piece for them in that leadoff hole, and, and they have never this whole year really been able to figure that out. Uh, obviously, the whole Kyle Schwarber experiment in that top spot didn't quite work out. They can't rely on Ben Zobris consistently. And, and so that, I think that was a, a big detriment to their, their offense. And then, as I said, their pitching was just a, a real struggle as far as their starting. I mean, the starting pitchers. Jake Arrieta has not been the same for the last year and a half. Really, lackeys on you know clearly on the back end of his career. Um, they've had some other guys shuffle in and out, but the Quintana trade will help them. Obviously, um, as you said, they came out like gangbusters here, sweep in the Orioles. Uh, but the Brewers swept the Orioles too. Uh, obviously, that was at home, but I don't know the Orioles are, are that formidable right now. They're a disaster. But, but, yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and especially pitching wise, I think went through a stretch early in the year. It might have been. Major League record as far as how many runs they're giving up each game, something like that. I can't remember off the top of my head, but um, so they, they obviously have some talent. It's not like they're all gone or anything like that, but they're trying to figure things out. They have some young guys who haven't performed. They have some older guys who, as I said, are declining a little bit and have dealt with some injuries. Um, I do think they, they can make a run. I mean, I've said numerous times, if I was a betting man, I'd still pick the Cubs to somehow get past the Brewers for a number of reasons, but it doesn't mean they will, and you can't just expect any team to, to simply turn it on. And I'm not saying the Quintana trade was a panic move by any means, but I think if the Cubs are ahead of the Brewers or even a game back and playing well, they don't make that move. They don't give up that haul, as you mentioned, uh, to get Quintana because he's a nice piece, but he has a lot of question marks that comes with that come with him. So um, I would still say the Cubs are in a bit of disarray. This certainly can give them some confidence and win those opening three games of the second half. But you, know, you can't look at the baseball in one, two, three-game increments. you got to see how they're doing over 10, 10 games, two weeks, that kind of thing. And, and maybe at that point you can say, okay, they're back, they're dangerous, uh, however you want to phrase it. But they're also trailing, and they, got, they have to play a lot more perfect baseball than the Brewers do at this point. We're talking with Tim Muma from uh, from uh, Brew Crew Ball now. That's his new affiliation. Great to have him here uh, on the program. All right, let's go to your most recent piece. And uh, the headline is Brewers have earned the title of NL Central favorites. And then in the course of the uh, article, uh, you, you give a lot of reasons why uh, doing uh, comparative stats uh, and rankings uh, across the rest of the National League Central where uh, their, their offense, their pitching is the best. Uh, also mentioned run differential, which I think is a, a great statistic to look 
look at. Uh, talk about the bullpen uh, being better as well, despite what we just talked about a few moments ago. But you look at some of those uh, websites out there that give you, you know, percentage chance for a team to win the division, and the Brewers still, for the most part, uh, are are low on that number. So you say they earn the right of NL Central favorites. You just said a moment ago that you kind of feel like maybe the Cubs are still going to uh, find a way to pass them up. All the websites that prognosticate say the Cubs are going to pass them up. What's uh, what's the real thing here? Are the are, are are the Brewers truly the NL Central favorites, or is it still a let's see what else happens in the division? That's the beauty of statistics, right? And I love stats, and I know you dive into all of them too. And and of course, with baseball, I mean, there's such an abundance of them, and trying to figure out what's real, what's not, what's what's too small of a sample size, uh, all that stuff, and. You know, one of the things you mentioned, their run differential being such a big thing and an indicator if a team is, have they been lucky? Has it been a fluke? Have they won a bunch of one-run games? That kind of thing, uh, you know, that can kind of skew exactly how good a team is. Um, and with the Brewers this year, and I haven't looked at the update in the last couple games, but their run differential essentially matched up exactly with their actual record, which is a great sign because it shows pretty much it's a true outcome like this is what they are and, and things can change they could get on a cold streak all that stuff can happen i mean I, you can't you can't predict baseball especially um but everyone's compare this team to the 2014 squad and if you look at that i know i've seen a couple of uh you know research articles on it a little bit uh but that team was i mean they were they were really riding high as far as luck goes i mean you look at run difference you look at a lot of these extreme expectancy uh formulas that they have and and the Brewers were, they were not just hanging on for dear life, but they were extremely lucky in the position they were. So that was a big difference. I guess I wanted to look, are they, are they just in this position because the NL Central seems to be down? Are they in this position because they've, they've gotten lucky? And it's really not. I mean, as I said, the run differential, they, they earned their record. They have the record that they should have. And some people would argue, well, man, with their bullpen, they, they actually should even be in a better position. And, and I would say they're the favorites from that perspective and that they have earned it. They didn't fall into it. Sure, if the Cubs were you know, on the same pace that they were last year as far as wins, they might be trailing a couple games or whatever, but that's not the case. They, and they, they've beaten good teams. They've gone on runs. Um, they've done everything they need to do. And, and you reference the stats. They, they essentially, if you look at it overall, have had the best pitching staff, which sounds weird because it doesn't seem that way, and they've had the best offense uh, in the division. So... When you have all that going for you, it certainly says you're in the spot you deserve to be, and I'd argue you're the favorite because you, you have that lead and, you, and you've done it in a way that isn't fluky. Um, again, to your point, and what I said, yeah, it can still change. The second half can change, and it could be flipped the other way around. But I don't see the Brewers having some huge nosedive. Uh, and, for again, for people comparing it to 2014, it's just completely different. Even when you look at the personnel they have, you have – Mostly younger guys, guys getting their first chances. Uh, it's not guys who are kind of uh, looking to prolong their careers or fighting for you know something at the end that isn't this improved development. Uh, these guys can keep improving. They could play their best ball as it goes forward. And um, I, I guess obviously selfishly as a fan, I'm hoping they do. And and I, I would still argue they're the favorites, but it doesn't guarantee anything. And as you said, a lot of the prognosticators still say, well, the Cubs are probably the real favorite, but we'll see what happens come September. The next 11 days, starting on Monday the 17th, they play a 10-game road trip in three different cities, four at Pittsburgh, 
three at Philadelphia, three at Washington. That leads right into that end-of-month weekend series at home against the Cubs, which also leads right into the trade deadline. How important is this next 11 days for this team? I think it's big in the sense that they need to avoid any sort of, you know, if you say out of those 11 games, you know, two and a two and nine kind of mark. I don't think they need to go out and prove themselves or anything. And obviously they've been a good road team as well. Uh, but that's a tough stretch. And, and I feel that if they can just essentially tread water, I know that doesn't sound great, but I think that's where you got to start. Um, I think it's a four-game series in Pittsburgh, right? So yep. they, they, if they can split there, that's that's where you start. You know, I mean, I don't think you have to be winning all these series, and that's the benefit of having the lead is, instead of having to chase somebody down. And then also people say, well, if the Brewers go, you know, say five and five over the next ten games, and the Cubs win eight, then that that gap gets closed. Yeah, I get that. But, uh, again, that's the, that's the cushion you've given yourself. So you, you kind of tread water there, and then you have to win those head-to-head games, and you have to go on another run. I mean, they're on a run right now, what, 11 of 14, I think they've won, if I recall correctly. So um, they're capable of, of making those positive runs. You just need to avoid the long streaks, and, uh, you know, they've been able to do that. This year. That's been a big part of their success. They haven't had a ton of, like, long winning streaks or, or you know, times where you really felt like they were red hot, but they have avoided – that dreaded, you know, losing eight out of nine or ten out of twelve, that kind of thing, and that that keeps them, um, you know, kind of pushing forward and in the driver's seat. So, I, I know in you know baseball, it, it's really tough to predict because with all the games that you play and the flukiness that happens and the randomness in baseball, it's really hard to say. Well, this is the stretch they need to play well, or oh, they have a quote unquote easy schedule, so they should run through this. It's so much different than than like football or basketball when it comes to that that. I don't like to look at it that way as best I can. I just feel if they, you know, just play good ball, steal a couple games on the road, um, avoid that, that big drop-off, I think they'll be fine. But to your point, this stretch, especially leading into the Cubs series and, and then the, the deadline, it, to me it's, it's fun. I think it's awesome that we can be talking about this. But I wouldn't be surprised there are a lot of people out there that are, are fearing it a little bit and, and worried that this could be the beginning of the end. Uh, I, w- I would hope people can just enjoy it, have some fun, and, and hopefully the Brewers can continue to do what they've done on the road. They've done a great job on the road, and, and that'll lead us into uh, what would be that huge series against the Cubs. How, last thing for you, how concerned are you? Ryan Braun's calf, it's now being looked at on an everyday basis. He's essentially day-to-day where they're going to kind of reevaluate the calf every day the rest of the year. He missed some time right before the All-Star break. He's played in all three games since then. He's probably got a maintenance day coming up uh, sooner than later. But are you concerned about his ability to play, or is this maybe a situation where they, they're they a little bit more liberal like they were last year and giving him more off days, and that's fine because he's going to produce when he's in there? Yeah, it's all, it almost seems like you'd rather have him be completely out or completely healthy. Because kind of the musical chairs, so to speak, with him in and out of the lineup, I think that, I don't think it messes the players necessarily, but you know, then you're rearranging lineups a lot more. Uh, you know, council has to make probably, as you said, he's going to have to make some game day decisions. And, and if he's going out there at eighty percent, would it be better if you had a, a Brinson out there at a hundred percent? So I think it, it is concerning. And, and there's a part of me that, as like I said, if if they think it's still going to cause a problem, if rest is going to help it, I'd say now is the time to do that. Um, and I would love to see Brenton up and getting some everyday at bats. I know he struggled when he was up 
earlier this year, but I think it was just the, you know, the inconsistent time in the lineup. And obviously Phillips is up now, and I think that's more because they, they don't see him starting on a regular basis, and, and they feel his, his skill set's going to be fine in that capacity. But um, I do see a little bit of a concern. When his bat's in there and he's healthy, it obviously makes the lineup better. It makes it makes it longer. It gives the pitcher something to worry about besides Travis Shaw, who's been phenomenal this year. I think it does help Thames in a way. It just gives them that uh, you know that experienced bat and somebody who is feared in the league because he's such a good hitter. I do worry though that the on again, off again, and will he play? Won't he? I think it does impact a little bit of the, the flow of the team and I know there are no numbers to back this up and lots of you know sabermetrics people like to bash a little bit anything you can't measure as far as I don't want to say momentum that's not a great word for it but chemistry and a flow throughout the season I guess I would love for them to just do an in-depth evaluation I know they are I know they study this stuff all the time with the injuries um, but I'd almost rather see him either completely healthy yeah you'll get the once in a while maintenance days um, or completely out because then you you have some consistency in there with the lineup. Um, but as you said, it sounds like they're going kind of with a day to day look at it, and uh, it worries me only a, a bit in the sense of like I said, consistency and uh, expectations that the players have on a day to day basis. Tim, folks can follow you on Twitter at Tim underscore Muma. That's M U M A. Read you at Brew Crew Ball now. Thanks so much for taking some time, and uh, we'll uh, catch up again very very soon. Awesome. Always appreciate it, Matt. Thanks a lot. The future of the Brewers organization has never been more important than it is right now. It's time to get an inside look at what's taking place throughout the Brewers minor league affiliates as we go down on the farm. Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile, does continue on, and we're very happy to uh, once again welcome back onto the program the broadcaster for the AA Biloxi Shuckers, that is uh, Chris Harris. Chris, thanks for taking some time and being back on the program. I should say we record this on Sunday night, but we are recording this late on Sunday night because you guys play Sunday uh, <laughs> evening games there in Biloxi. So uh, n- not only thank you for being on the program, but also thanks for uh, staying up late to be able to do it. Hey, anytime. And, you know, one reason why we do that is because, you know, here on the, on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, it gets uh, rather hot and humid in uh, the summertime so it's about a, probably a 15 20 degree difference in playing a one o'clock game and a six o'clock game so i think everybody kind of uh would rather play the night games it does uh uh, keep you from having a night off, but we'll, we'll take the trade. Now, does is there a point in the calendar year where day games are pretty much off the board, including like the the weekday day games that you see in minor league baseball sure. with the kids and everything? Is that all? Is that all done by a certain point? You know, we actually had a, a day game, a noon game in Jacksonville in our last road trip. Uh, they had a kind of a camp day and. Uh, it was absolutely miserable uh, for our players and. Uh, you know, we, we make a point, you know, when, when the calendar turns to June uh, at our ballpark, there's no game that starts before 5 o'clock um, just because it's just not fair to these guys. And I realize, you know, in the big leagues you have to play getaway day games. But, you know, any any, any way you can help uh, those guys out and not have to, uh, you know, kill themselves out there, the better. 
looking at uh, and we're again we're talking after a very interesting game on Sunday night and uh, <laughs> this was one where it looked like uh, Biloxi had scored two runs in the ninth inning and then what was originally uh, ruled uh, a triple gets turned into a ground rule double and it takes a runner that had scored and uh, and brings them brings them back I think that was Wendell Rio who had scored a run who had to come back to uh, sure. back to third uh, what was yeah, we see those type of situations uh, in baseball. You guys have such a passionate uh, fan base. What's been the reaction sure. here over the last couple hours since that game comes to an end? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, we we really do. And you know, for a you know a Sunday game in in minor league baseball, you know, we had you know just almost three thousand fans, and they always stay to the bitter end. And uh, I think really for the first time that I can really remember, you know, just a, a, a crown of booze when, when the game ended, you know, a ball that uh, appeared to be a game-tying triple from uh, Blake Alamon, who's had a, uh, a really, really nice season for us this year, um, turns into being just a ground rule double. They uh, had decided that, that the ball was uh, lodged in our uh, foul pole, which uh, one interesting uh, design uh, snafu, I guess maybe you should uh, call it with our ballpark is our, our, foul, our fair foul poles are actually on the field of play, uh, which was which makes for some interesting uh, uh, conversation for sure, but uh, I've seen every game played at MGM Park and I've never seen one uh, or a, a play affected by it, but tonight uh, the Alamon ball hit down the right field line, landed in the padding that protects it, padded kind of like a goalpost post would be in football and uh, after uh, much discussion and uh, of course there is no video replay in minor league baseball they deemed that the ball was lodged and sent Alamon back to second sent Wendell Rio back to uh, third base and eventually we, we lose of course that was with two outs in the bottom of the ninth inning so uh, a really tough finish and a team that's you know uh, going through a little bit of a struggle right now, but this would have been a big win for us, and unfortunately, it, it didn't go our way. The the second half, uh, you're a few games under 500 to get things going in the second half of the season. Obviously, a ton of time still left to be played. But what's been maybe sure. uh, what 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 have been some of the things that have uh, slowed the team down here in the first uh, couple weeks since the second half got started? Yeah, I, well, I think this team. Uh, obviously, when the loss of Mauricio Dubon was 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 big, I mean, when when you have a a guy like him at the top of your order that you know is leading the league and almost leading the entire minor league baseball and so on bases, you know, kind of a catalyst to the top of the order that that really uh, hurt the team. And, and it's been you know offensively, you know, that's where the struggles have been. We've seen some guys kind of get in streaks where we seem to can't get you know, three, four, five guys to hit at one time. It seems to be just kind of one at a time. So just stringing the hits together have been, at least consistently, have been, uh, uh, you know, tough recently. But, you know, there have been a lot of positives, too, with this team. This team's pitching extremely well. You know, we've seen, I'm sure you'll talk about Corbin Burns. But, uh, you know, this, this team's still just two and a half games out of first place in, in the second half standings. A good thing we played two halves and, uh, luckily, our division, there's several teams that are up to a little bit of a slow start in the second half. Uh, you mentioned Mauricio Dubon, and even though he's not with the team anymore, this is a guy that a lot of Brewers fans are very excited about. He can play a bunch of positions. Sure. Now he's one step away at AAA Colorado Springs. You've seen so many guys come through Double A and then watch the timeline on how long it takes to get to the big league level. How close do you feel like Dubon is to you know making his debut with the Brewers? Um, I mean, he's a winning player. You know, that's 
that's kind of when, when a scout or a fan or anybody you ask me about Mauricio, um, I say he's just a winning player. He just makes winning plays. He makes smart decisions. He, he finds ways to get on base. Um, you know, he, he, he doesn't uh, really make any mental mistakes uh, on the field. You know, you, you, you kind of look up at the uh, game for, for nine innings and, and think, ah, you know, kind of a mediocre game for him. You look down at the box score and he's, you know, two for five and on base three times with a stolen base. So, you know, he affects the games in a, in a lot of ways that maybe you don't necessarily uh, even see on the box score. You know, back picks, you know, to, to bases, um, you know, what he does in the dugout. You know, he's paying attention to everything, picking up, you know, reads off of pitchers for, for to help other base runners. So, He's just a winning player and, and a player that you want to have in your clubhouse. Um, you know, a good character uh, individual as well and, and, you know, plays great defensively. You know, he has kind of that Arstia uh, feel to him. You know, has fun out there and he, and he really has that effect other other players too. It kind of rubs off on him. One other question about an alumni because I know, again, going back to your fan base and how much you appreciate uh, sure. the players who have come through. Brett Phillips hits the the home run, his first home run as a Brewer. It, man, it seems like a lot of people sure. connected to the Shuckers were really excited for that today. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And of course, it came uh, you know a couple of days after we had the the infamous bobblehead uh, at MGM Park. If, if folks don't know, on Friday. Uh, we gave away a bobblehead commemorating the 2016 uh, Minor League Baseball Blooper of the Year. That's something that Minor League Baseball, MILB.com, does a competition with different categories. And it, the Blooper of the Year was Brett when he uh, chased a possum actually out of MGM Park after an inning ended. Uh, he ran out to the outfield wall and chased it, and the possum actually turned and hissed at him at one point. And, uh, you know, that was kind of an infamous moment for him it's it's just brett phillips you know he, he just only him would he would do stuff like that but we had a bobblehead on 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 friday gave it away that had the possum on the on the uh, on the stand and and also you had a, a sound box on it you could press a button and it and it plays his laugh as well so uh one of the more unique bobbleheads i think ever uh put out there for us on friday they were lined up you know much in advance of that but you know when brett came over from uh, the Houston Astros, he came, you know, directly to us and, you know, our fans, you know, immediately were drawn to him, the way he played the game, uh, how hard he played the game, how much fun he had playing the game, the way he interacted with the fans. And, you know, we had the Mount Rushmore of Biloxi Shuckers, you know, he would be there with, you know, Orlando Arcia and maybe Carlos Sabero, Tyler Wagner, Jorge Lopez, guys like that, Brandon Woodruff. So, you know, Brett, Brett's just a first-class individual. You want good things to happen to good people, and, and Brett truly is a good person. And, uh, you know, how many guys would, would be okay, and, and it wouldn't bruise their ego for their first professional bobblehead to be shared with a possum, for goodness sake. So, you know, good for him, and, and hopefully it's the first of, of many for Maverick. It's a great bobblehead. i got to keep a lookout on eBay because I might have to add one of those to my collection. It's it's fantastic. Well, so. It, they, they, they are out there, I can tell you that. All right, very good. All right, let's jump to some players who are uh, currently on the roster. And you mentioned Corbin Burns sure. a moment ago, uh, 1.14 ERA. I mean, the other day he gives up one run, yeah. and his ERA actually goes up uh, a little bit from 1.06 yeah. to 1.14. Uh, this guy has been good from the moment he got to Biloxi. Yeah, he, he hasn't missed a beat. You know, in fact, it, what's scary is he might have even gotten better. Uh, in a lot of ways, and and he 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 lights up the gun. He you know with with the new sabermetrics and the spin rate. You know the spin rate is through the roof with this kid. And 
he leads all of minor league baseball, full season minor league baseball and ERA. If you combine the 10 starts in Carolina uh, with his eight starts in Biloxi, it's at 1.09 after his start yesterday. He only went 66 pitches yesterday, and I think it, it's kind of something they want to try to do is kind of lower the amount of innings and, and kind of monitor his, his pitch count a little bit as we get you know, into the dog days of summer and potentially a chance for him to help out the Brewers. But, uh, I mean, he, he checked all the boxes of, of being that guy that can, you know, go deep into a ball game, that can, that can strike out hitters when he really needs to, can, can you, know, uh, you know, affect, you know, righties and lefties the same way. You know, he has a great fastball. He has a great slider. He has a good curveball. He has a good changeup. He has the mental... Uh, stability to, to, to really get out of any tough situation that he's put in. He doesn't let a home run, if he gives up a home run, which he hasn't given up many, affect him. Uh, he really checks all those boxes, and, you know, there's a reason why I think Keith Law put him at what, number 38 in his updated top 50 prospects. I mean, he, he's a real deal, and, um, you, know, I, I, his, you know, if he gets called to AAA any time, I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe the best story this year has been that of Nick Ramirez. He makes a, a position change, and then he comes out, and so far in 34 games, a 1.36 ERA. From a Brewers perspective, they've got a decision to make on him in the offseason. Sure. But you could... What more could have you asked from this guy? And I got to think that you talk with the you know the rovers that come in and everything. What are you hearing in terms of how the Brewers feel about this guy? You know, I, I think their thoughts are still evolving. Um, you know, with all the, the and I mentioned sabermetrics earlier, you, you know, it, it, it would be kind of curious, and, and, and I've had this conversation with several people within the, you know, our, on our team, and, and even with Nick and, and, and people from the organization is, you know, how do you value a player like Nick, who, you know, is a lefty, has uh, been an effective lefty, you know, has an ERA under 1.4, can be a lefty specialist, uh, also can uh, can swing the bat pretty well. In, in fact, you know he has you know over ninety minor league home runs. He uh, you know can certainly be a weapon off the bench. You know how how valuable is a player like that? And and on the pitching side, he really he looks more like a pitcher. Uh, he looks more comfortable on the mound. He kind of looks like an athlete out there. You know, slinging the ball home for a while. He was having some success, but now. You know, he looks like a pitcher. You can still tell he's getting back a lot of the form that he had at Cal State Fullerton when he was closing ball games. In fact, his velocity has gone up a few ticks from his time at Cal State Fullerton. He was when he was in college, ninety-one. Now he's ninety-two, ninety-three at times, um, and he's the strikeout to walk ratio is continually rising. I think his ERA over his last you know ten outings is you know almost around zero point five. So. He's doing all the right things, and, and it will be interesting to see, you know, when they push him and then come November, you know, is this a player um, that is worthy of a 40-man spot to protect him? Chris Harris is joining us, the broadcaster from the Biloxi Shuckers. Luis Ortiz had a uh, 3.02 ERA after a start on June 8th. Since then, he's given up uh, multiple runs in all of his appearances. His inning count is, uh, is down a little bit. W- what's going on with him right now? Oh, you know, for for Luis, it it is, I think, uh, you know, partly physical and and a lot, you know, just, uh, you know, focusing on things he needs to be focusing on. Um, You know, for Luis, he's got all the talent in the world, and I think it's, you know, getting 
everything in sync at the same time. Uh, and, and, you know, I think maturing uh, a good bit as well. Uh, we'll come into that. He's, he's still very, very young. And, and, you know, when they got him last year from the Rangers, they knew he, st- he had a lot of talent, but he still was a bit of a project. And, and you know, you're going to have some ups and downs when, you know, you're, you're dealing with, with a pitcher like him that has a lot of talent, still is very young, still needs to uh, do some maturing as far as how he prepares, how, uh, you know, he attacks every start and, you know, the thing with Luis is, is you see it. I mean, you see how good he can be, but also you see, you know, the inconsistencies and the things that, you know, as, as he continues to progress, continues to, to learn more and more, be around, you know, the Jorge Lopez's of the world. The, and now we have, you know, catcher Rene Garcia, those guys, and they continue to impact him. You're going to see him, you know, get more consistent. I know it's been a little bit frustrating this year with him, and I'm sure it has been for him as well, but, uh, he's just someone who, who I think, you know, it's just going to take a little bit more time. Jorge Lopez got a little bit of time uh, with the Brewers this year. He's back uh, with the Shuckers in July, and it's a it's a limited uh, amount of appearances, six games, but in July, a 2.61 ERA. Kind of looking for something to click in with him after May, a month of May and a month of June, that the numbers were not there. Sure. He's fully into the bullpen now. Is, is it now maybe clicking for him in terms of what he has to do to be an effective bullpen pitcher? Yeah, I think you, you hit the nail on the head clicking. Um, you know, I, I don't want to say that, that Jorge was going down a path where it just, you know, was was, was not going well and, and kind of hitting that idle situation of, okay, you know, what what's the deal here? He needed something to happen, something to change. And, and I think for him, and, and he's even admitted too, when they told him he was going to make a move to the bullpen, I think it almost gave him that sense of, you know, take a deep breath, okay, fresh start and and that's how he's attacked it even the runs that he's given up you know uh, i know a couple of the runs that he's given up have just been on some some broken bat flares and things like that where he ran into some bad luck but uh, what was interesting last night is our closer this year had been matt ramsey who got promoted to triple a last night we won six to one but it was the first time really that we were in a situation on a four-game losing skid where you would bring your closer in to finish a game in the ninth inning and last night they went to Jorge Lopez, and that really, really intrigues me. Um, I, I, you know, his makeup, you know, he has always had the the three, four pitches, three really great pitches in the fastball, change the curveball, and to put him in that back end role and say, "All right, big boy, give me three outs." Like I, I really am am intrigued to see if that is the case with him and, and they're kind of keeping it close to the vest right now but to see him at the back end of our games in double a you know which that can prepare you for being a, you know, a reliever at the big league level but to see him in a you know situation where he's finishing ball games knowing how good he is and of course seeing him you know back in 15 last year at times too uh that that's 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 interesting with him Let's jump over to some position players. I think we talk about this guy every single time uh, we're on. But uh, Jacob Nottingham, the big question with him is can he be a catcher at the big league level? And he's caught a ton recently. He's been mainly a catcher, a, a game at first here and a game at first there. What have you seen from him behind the plate defensively as the year's gone along? Well, he's gotten he's, – he's matured as a person. He's matured as a catcher. Um, and, you know, in June he was named the, the Brewers Miley player of the month and, and he deserved it full heartedly. I mean he swung the bat well. He's continually been the top catcher in our league defensively. And, you know, 
uh, Charlie Green was was in town uh, a few weeks ago and having a chance to talk to him, which he was fresh off winning the Player of the Month, and you could tell Charlie Green, who's a catching instructor, field coordinator with the Brewers, was was extremely happy with the progress that he has made. And you know, last year having to throw a lot of things on him, or you know, having to call a game, uh, you know, being pushed to a level really, truly, probably wasn't ready for handling you know those struggles and and. Uh, coming back this year with a fresh slate and even having a mild injury in spring training and coming back and, uh, you know, still being, you know, the top defensive catcher in this league. You know, he didn't have a good April and May, but you know what? He, he came back and, and kept working, and, and you're starting to see the results. The home runs are starting to mount up. He has five RBIs as we speak over his last two games with a couple of doubles and a home run. So uh, you're seeing the results starting to pay off, uh, you know, the hard work that he's put in. and you're starting to see those starting pitchers and pitchers in general trust him more behind the plate when he calls games. And, uh, you know, I, I, I like what he's doing. He, he's, he's going the right direction. You know, when you see a player repeat a level, you want to see them make progress. And he's making progress, which is, which is really good to see. Tyrone Taylor has played a handful of games uh, back with the team. You've obviously seen a lot of him over the last couple of years. Uh, someone who's maybe not that prospect status uh, quite anymore, but what, what are you seeing out of him at this moment, and what does this maybe the rest of this year really mean for this guy? Yeah, how about that? We, we have, if you go back to the 2015 Baseball America Prospect Handbook, the number one player in the in the Brewers system was Tyrone Taylor. I believe number six or seven, I have to go back and look, was Taylor Williams. So those two guys are on our team this year, which is really interesting, both coming off some some, some pretty significant injuries. For Tyrone, uh, for him, uh, you know, for him to get out of extended spring training in, in his time with the AZL Brewers, you know, he, was, he feels like he's set free. And currently on a six-game hitting streak, he had a two-hit game uh, tonight as we speak. Uh, you know he he's changed his stance a bit. He's more upright. Kind of looks a little bit like Orlando Arcia in the box right now. But Tyrone is is an athlete. He's a five tool player. He swings the bat well. Uh, he hits line drives. He is a line drive hitter. He's going to run into some home runs with that. He plays great defense. He has good speed. Uh, he has the character. He's a good clubhouse guy. Um, so for Tyrone, you know, I think I think the pressure's off with him. Uh, you know, missing, and of course, if folks don't know, he came into spring training with an oblique injury, uh, defensive drills in the outfield, tweaked his hamstring, came back a few days later, tweaked his hamstring uh, worse. Uh, he got shut down uh, for a few months, and, uh, you know, the battle to, to come back, uh, you know, played in some, some uh, about a week's worth, well, almost two weeks' worth of uh, Arizona League games, and now, of course, coming back to join us. But I, I think the pressure's off with him. I think he's back. He's He's okay with being back at Double A, and uh, I'm excited to see what he can do the rest of the year because the potential. He's still the same guy, still the same player that you remember from 2015. A little more mature, uh, and you know, if you talk to our coaches, uh, if you talk to people around the organization, they still have, uh, they kind of have that grin on their face when they when they talk about Tyrone Taylor. So don't forget about that guy. Chris, if folks uh, listening to this want to listen to your broadcast or watch the uh, the MILB.TV feed, what's the best way to uh, get in contact with uh, with that and the Shuckers Radio Network and all that? Hey, you never know what you'll see. You might see a controversial ground rule double <laughs> in the ninth inning. You never know. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, give give us a shout uh, or give us a listen on, on our uh, radio broadcast. You can uh, find everything at BiloxiShuckers.com. We put up uh, – you know, great game highlights from every ball game. 
uh, good recaps and, and full coverage of the team, of course, on social media, facebook.com slash Biloxi Shuckers, Twitter, uh, at Biloxi Shuckers. I'm at C. Harris 731 and I'd uh, love for you to tune in, see the future of this franchise and uh, see all the great young uh, players that we have coming through Biloxi. And an August trip to uh, to Biloxi, going to MGM Park, staying at the MGM Hotel. Like that, just I've talked to some people who do it. That's a that's a great summer vacation, yeah. right? It is. This is this is a, a kind of a, a hidden gem. Of course, if you uh, if you're into the casino, you know we have 14. There's actually 14 resort casinos within about a 10 mile uh, radius. Uh, you know, and of course. You know, got the, the, the beaches here. You have, uh, you know, your two hours from New Orleans, good day trip over there for, tell you what, for, for any, you know, team in the Southern League, one of their favorite, if not their favorite trip is to bluff with what there is to do and, uh, our ballpark, which is, which is truly a gem. And especially if you're a Brewers fan, I, I would hope you have a bucket list and, and one of those would be to come see us at MG Park. Chris, thanks so much uh, for your time. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk again uh, soon, but appreciate you staying up late and being able to do this interview this evening. Not a problem. Not a problem at any time. That was Chris Harris, the broadcaster for the AA Biloxi Shuckers. We appreciate him taking some time with us tonight to talk about uh, those Shuckers, and uh, they continue to, for the most part, play well. And uh, We'll see what kind of movement happens with guys moving up uh, to that level, moving out of that level to uh, to AAA. But uh, the Shuckers are just a, just a great organization and, and so much fan support. We know a lot of people uh, listen to this podcast who are Shuckers fans, uh, and uh, we appreciate that. And I always like having uh, Chris on the program program and uh, yeah just uh, I spent some time on Sunday night listening uh, to that game uh, that they ended up losing where they had the uh, the two runs in the ninth and then a run was taken off the board Chris does an absolutely great job so we appreciate him taking some time with us today all right so here is what's on tap for the Brewers going forward and this is going to be a tough next uh, week and a half as they are going to go on a 10 game 11 day three city road trip it starts on Monday with the beginning of a four game series against the Pittsburgh Pirates now one of the questions going into uh, this uh, uh, into this road trip is when Junior Gare is going to be available to come off the disabled list. He is tentatively scheduled to start on Tuesday, July 18th, uh, and we'll see if he's able to be activated off the disabled list for that start. But they'll play four games in Pittsburgh. Uh, Brent Suter, uh, Zach Davies, and Jimmy Nelson are three of the four pitchers that will start, and we'll see if Junior Gare is able to start that game on July 18th. After they play those four games in Pittsburgh, wrapping up on Thursday the 20th, they'll then play a Friday, Saturday, Sunday weekend series at Philadelphia, so a rematch against the Phillies, who they just took two out of three from at home, and then they'll wrap up the road trip with a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday series at Washington, and uh, that will lead in to the final weekend in the month of July where they're home against the Cubs and uh, that also leads into uh, the trade deadline. So a lot coming up. These next uh, couple weeks or so for the Brewers are obviously very, very big moving forward. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. A big thank you to uh, both of our guests, Tim Muma from uh, from uh, Brew Crew Ball joining us and also Chris Harris, the broadcaster for the Biloxi Shockers. Don't forget, you can catch all the action of Brewers baseball on 620 WTMJ. And uh, I've got you after those games for uh, Brewers Extra Innings. Always enjoy uh, hearing from folks who maybe learn about it uh, through the podcast. If you are an out-of-market person, meaning you don't live in the Milwaukee area, 
uh, you can listen to Brewers Extra Innings on the stream. Uh, the stream is not available during the actual game, but as the game comes to an end, the stream comes back up, so you can always uh, stream the post-game show as well online at WTMJ.com or the WTMJ mobile app for that matter as well. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you next week for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.